Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 194th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today. And I think you can tell by the tone in my voice that this is going to be a fun pod. Um, because Carolina did go on the road at Louisville, and come away victorious. And while I'd love to believe that it was because Hubert Davis told them that if they lost, there was going to be some podcast host that was losing his mind, I think that'd be giving me too much credit. And I think this team needs its 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 fair share of credit after what they did yesterday afternoon um, as they were powered by the return of Armando Baycott who came back and recorded yet another double-double. Um, he was the best player on the floor once again yesterday for Carolina, this, despite playing on one leg. You saw Puff Johnson inserted into the starting lineup, and you saw DeMarco Dunn play the best game of his young Tar Heel career off the bench. And, you know, buddy, the game didn't start off, like I think, the way we wanted it to. Carolina looked very sluggish. They looked very sleepish. And we knew that Louisville was was going to to try to put everything into this game to try to salvage what is becoming a a, a record setting season in the wrong fashion. But at about the under eight minute uh, part of the first half, Carolina woke up and and once Carolina kind of put their 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 stamp on the game, it was very clear who the better team was, and and Carolina pulled away to a much easy, much needed victory away from home. Well, I, I, by the way, I think the best way to describe this game is by the word that you just made up, which was sleepish. That was, I mean, that, that was really what it was early. Um, because, I mean, the first six, seven minutes of this game, we were sitting there looking and saying, is this, is this really happening? I mean, there was a point where Carolina was down by eight, and we were like, okay, 
are, are we seriously about to do probably the most fiery podcast ever? And it, it's the credit to this team. They made the adjustments that they had to, and they they found a way to do what I said they had to do in this game. Because, and I really meant this, they needed to win this game by double digits. If this was a single digit win, then you would be concerned about where this program's going. Because I think as Louisville showed us yesterday, it, this this team sucks. There's no other way around. This is probably <laughs> the worst Power Five team. I have ever witnessed in my entire life. And that's really saying something because I think it, it, the fact is there's talent on that team. We saw it early in the game, but man, I, I mean, Carolina did what they had to do. They created the turnovers, as we said, um, you know, it was a team that came in averaging 16.6 a game. Carolina created 14 and they really needed to because they turned the ball over 14 times themselves um, Carolina could have, you know, gotten bogged down by the foul trouble. You know, Armando Baycott, as good as he was, he picked up his fourth foul early in the second half when Carolina decided to leave him in after he picked up his third foul, immediately picks up his fourth foul. And that was before the under 16. So Carolina, th there was a lot of different things that the Tar Heels had to navigate in this game, not to mention Pete Nance not playing in this game. Uh, third straight game that he missed. So I thought all things considered, you know, this was a really good performance from Carolina. And I, I thought the production that you saw from some guys that you normally wouldn't see it from. And I mean, Puff Johnson, I mean, it, it's, it's almost, you would almost consider him a bench player. I mean, he, he started the game. But to see guys that you're not used to see producing at the level that they have started to over these last few games. And look, the thing is, you're looking for more consistency going forward because we haven't really seen one guy that sort of emerged from that group to become a consistent uh, threat night in and night out. Um, but I, I think you're starting to feel pretty encouraged that, you know, the thing that we were talking about just a couple of weeks ago that Carolina didn't have, which was depth, is now there. And that that's the thing that I took away most from this game, a uh, 21-point win over a bad Louisville team. Yeah, it, it's funny how this depth, I think, has been created. It really has been created by the injury and the absence first to Pete Nance. And then the other night when Armando Baycott left the game against Virginia, couldn't return. And, you know, going into this game, Huber Davis listed Armando as questionable on Friday. And then we learned in the broadcast, the decision was left up to him. And Armando Baycott's done what he's done for his entire career. He's toughed it out and he has played. And as I said, on one leg, he was Carolina's best player. He was the best player on the floor. And, you know, all, all he continues to do is win over the hearts of Tar Heel fans because he embodies everything about a Tar Heel that Hubert Davis wants. And, and you see that he plays with a love for uh, this place every time he walks out on the court. But with his injury, I mean, we saw Jalen Washington be put into a pretty big spot mm -hmm. uh, on Tuesday at Virginia, and he responded very well in that moment, followed this game up with uh, six points and three, re three rebounds. He did some nice things. 
Puff Johnson's gotten more run. DeMarco Dunn really only lost minutes because he broke his hand, came back, and Huber Davis just kind of gave him his minutes back. And while I disagreed with that on Tuesday night, it was the right thing yesterday as he scored a career-high 14 points and grabbed a career-high 15 rebounds and was just all over the place on both ends of the court. And his energy and his effort was, you know, contagious and it permeated throughout the throughout the entire team. And so, um, you know, the, the, the ideal way of building depth isn't to have players get hurt and miss time, um, but that's what's happened. And now Carolina's looking at a situation where, you know, when Pete Nance is ready to come back and play, I don't know if it's going to be best suited for this team for him to be a starter because you've seen so many different guys step up. And if we're being brutally honest with ourselves, Carolina's looked better without him on the court at certain times. And so um, that's a, that's a good problem for Huber Davis to have. And that's why he makes a boatload of money to coach the game of basketball. And we get to sit here and break it all down. Let's take a look at the box score here. It's a pretty one for Carolina. Uh, the Tar Heels shot 47% from the field. They were 27 of 57. Meanwhile, Louisville, just 20 of 54 from the field. That's 37%. The three-point uh, shooting was bad for both teams. Carolina, 7 of 24, 29%. Louisville, 1 of 14, just 7% from behind the three-point line. From the foul stripe, Carolina was 19 of 23 for 83%. Meanwhile, Louisville got to the foul line quite a bit. They were 18 of 28, but that was just 64%. And they left a lot of points at the, at the charity strike. Turnovers, 14 apiece, committed by both teams, but the biggest difference, Carolina scored 23 points off of uh, Louisville turnovers. Louisville scored just eight points off of Tar Heel turnovers. Rebounding went Carolina's favor, 40 to 31 overall, 30 to 21 on the defensive glass. Both teams with 10 offensive rebounds. Second chance points, 9-8 to eight in favor of Carolina. Bench points, 26-10 to 10 in favor of Carolina. Points in the paint, Carolina did lose that, 38-32. to 32. Fast break points, though, 17-2. to two. Carolina um, blocks Louisville, won that category 2-1. to one. Uh, Steals was 11-3 in favor of the Tar Heels. Carolina had 12 assists on 27 made baskets. Louisville with just six assists on their 20 made baskets. Um, there were three different lead changes, but overall Carolina led for 27 minutes and 45 seconds and Louisville led for 11 minutes and 17 seconds. Let's move on now to the quote of the game from Hubert Davis. And he was talking about DeMarco Don after his career game. And he said, quote, he was good. The only thing I get on him about is to keep it in gear five. Get it to gear five and keep it in gear five. I think he's so talented. I think sometimes it's that he puts it in cruise control, but when he puts it in gear five and he plays defense and offense from a standpoint, he does it with pace. And look, there's no denying that's what he did yesterday. Um, you could argue that he was maybe the best guard on the floor at certain times in the game for Carolina, even though both Love and Davis scored double figures. But I thought he was just a menace. On both ends of the court, he was aggressive on offense. He made a couple catch-and-shoot threes, which will really help open up this offense if, if the guards continue to draw double teams when they drive the basket. And then defensively, he was, you know, great at applying pressure on the ball. I mentioned 
those five rebounds. And I think this is going to be a guy that we look at this expanded rotation a lot like Puff Johnson, a lot like Seth Tremble. I think this is a guy that's going to get consistent minutes for this team moving forward in ACC play. Oh, I don't think there's any denying that. I mean, you look at the guys that have really started to play more and more minutes as we've gotten, you know, through closer and closer um, to the middle point of this season. And really it has been, you know, him and Puff Johnson. And I think, you know, from what we've seen, I mean, Puff's had his up and downs as well. Uh, DeMarco Dunn here recently has probably been the most consistent player. Now this on the offensive end was an outburst. I, I don't think anybody saw this coming. Um, and it's encouraging that this is a part of his game. I, I think, you know, you, you have to temper expectations a little bit. This shouldn't be what you expect from him moving forward is that he's going to be a guy that's going to average, average double figures every night. But it, it really is nice to see that you have a guy that is as versatile as he is and a guy that really has been able to bounce back the way that he has, because you mentioned it. He, when he originally came back from the broken hand, Carolina just threw him right back into the lineup and played him a ton. And in his first game back, he got absolutely destroyed on the defensive end of the floor against Pittsburgh. I mean, they picked him apart. And I think since then, You've seen him sort of readjust the way that he's played and sort of settle himself back into the groove that he was in in the preseason and even a little bit early on in the season. And I think now you you feel kind of, you know, you feel comfortable with what he's going to be able to bring. The biggest thing that we're that that at this point we're looking for from this Carolina bench is who is going to provide some sort of offense when they're on the floor? Because early this season, it really felt like not only did you have a guy, at times two guys on the floor that weren't really able to score for you, really didn't bring much on the offensive end, but you also, off the bench, just did not have that guy that you could trust hey, when I put them in the game, they're going to give me something offensively. Now it's starting to feel like you can trust DeMarco Dunn a little bit more. You can trust Puff Johnson a little bit more. You can trust Jalen Washington. So I, I think that this is a big step towards Carolina developing that depth that we talked about. I'm really interested to see how he builds off of this. Um, I, I think he's going to get, like, like you said, I think he's probably going to be either the first or second guy off the bench in just about every game moving forward, especially, I mean, I think there's a good chance he's probably your first guy off the bench in a lot of games here, uh, over the next couple of weeks, because we don't know the status of Pete Nance moving forward. And, you know, look, we liked when they went to the three guard lineup, man, Seth Trimble has struggled over these last couple of games. Um, I, I mean, he, he played just 11 minutes in this game against Louisville. And to be honest with you, I thought it was the right move because he, he really just did not look like himself at times. So I, I think he's going to get his opportunities and they're, you know, after what we saw in this game, granted against a, a Louisville team that really isn't all that great, you should feel confident that he is going to be one of your more consistent threats off the bench moving forward. 
let's move on now to the stat of the game. And I went with points off of turnovers because I thought that was really what allowed Carolina to to take control of the game was they finally got into uh, Louisville on the defensive end of the court. And like they've done all season long, when there was pressure applied, they crumbled. That really allowed Carolina to get out on the open in, in the open floor and make easy plays in transition. And they won that category 23 to eight. And, um, you know, Huber Davis may not have pressed as much as I wanted him to in yesterday's game, but he pressed enough. And I think that was, that was a step in the right direction because, you know, I know you keep saying that he's not going to press and, uh, you know, for a full 40 minutes or he's not going to press as much as I want to. Again, I don't, I don't understand why not, because I, I think that it works. And I think with, the emergence of DeMarco Dunn, you know, maybe Dontrez Styles, who we'll talk about a little bit later, and some other guys, you've got enough depth to to do that type of stuff, you know, more consistently. But it really changed the game once again yesterday, and it, it turned the game in Carolina's favor um, to where, you know, it just – at this point, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them to not press a whole lot during the game. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you the latest offer from DraftKings. Then when we come back, more thoughts, more takeaways from Carolina's first road victory of the season after they dispatched Louisville 80-59. to We'll be back to break down more of that after this message from DraftKings. The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get free bets back up to $10. Action is so good. Why bet playoff? Why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? I know I don't. I'll be placing a bet on my Dallas Cowboys as they take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can, and, and the experience is, is fun. It's easy. It's so convenient. All on the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. So all you got to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use our promo code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code TBPN. PN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all the great offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. The, the first thing I have written down is that Armando Baycott is on the doorstep of history. He recorded his 59th double-double in the win at Louisville yesterday. Of course, he extended his school record of most double-digit rebounding games. But, you know, this has been – we knew entering the season this this type of milestone was possible. Um, and with a, a tear that he went on in the the end of November and early December, you know, it, it, it got here really, really close where he's on the verge of tying the record for most double-doubles double, double in, a, in, a, in Carolina history. He's going to pass Tyler Hansborough for most total rebounds in Carolina basketball history. And, 
You know, I, I think along the way, no matter what he, no matter what happens this season, whether this team wins a national championship or not, he's going to leave this place, especially in the modern era of Carolina basketball, as beloved as any player in recent memory. Like he's going to be up there with the Marcus Pages, the Bryce Johnsons, the Joel Berries, the Theo Pinsons, because this guy, this guy just flat out loves to play basketball for the University of North Carolina. And I think it was so evident yesterday because this guy was clearly hobbled. Corey Alexander made sure to tell us that every time he ran down the floor and he was still the best player on the floor. And he still came out despite not being a hundred percent, the most, the, the, the most locked in the guy that was most ready to play. And with that, he he's put himself in a position to, you know, leave behind a legacy at Carolina. And that was something that was very important to him. He talked about this, you know, when he decided to come back was to leave a legacy that, you know, no matter what you'd remember that Armando Baycott was a big time player here. And that's a really hard thing to do when you look at all the great big men that have come through Chapel Hill. But yesterday, I think was just a reminder that when it's all said and done, Armando Baycott will be his name will be in it will be listed in the same breath as some of the all-time greats. And you know, even though he came in as a five-star prospect, I think even he's blown away our expectations for him over his four seasons right now with the Carolina program. Well, it's really all about the progression because remember that I mean, heading into last year, we were I'm not gonna say we were looking at him as a bust, but we were asking him. Can you can you become more consistent? Can you become a leader? Because he was just that quiet presence that was was there. There was a lot of inconsistency in his game, which led to a little bit of frustration around him. And last year was, I mean, with the amount of double doubles that he had last year, I mean, tying David Robert, uh, Robinson's record. Um, for most double-doubles in a season. I mean, it doesn't really get more consistent than that. And that's extended over into this season. Um, this game was just unreal to me because, first of all, the fact that he even played, this this dude might be the quickest healing human being ever. Like, there, I, there have been three or four times now in his career where he has suffered an injury in – you know, in a game, this one was early in a game. Some of the other ones have happened even later in games. And you say to yourself, there is absolutely no way in hell this dude is playing in the next game. And, I mean, I don't know if I would have classified this one as that because, I mean, he did come back to the bench and everything like that. But I thought against Louisville, he probably isn't going to play. And you said, look, they left it up to him. Some guys would say, look, and I to me, I don't think it would be selfish if, if he had said he didn't want to play. Some guys would look and say, well, this is Louisville. To be honest with you, I feel like my team can probably win without me. I'll just, you know, wait until the next game and make sure that I'm as close to 100% as I can be for that game. But that's not the way Armando Baycott is. He, he wants to play in every game. He, you know, knows that this is a team that clearly needs leadership. We saw it earlier in the year when he, you know, lost it after the game against Pittsburgh. Uh, that quote is going to be one of those ones. I mean, he's had a bunch already this year, but that quote is going to be up there 
with some of the best that we've seen from him in his time here. And, you know, I, I think that's the thing is that w- the reason why we're so frustrated with how this season has gone is because for a guy like this, you really do want to finish this season with a title with at least at, at the least another deep run in the NCAA tournament, because he deserves it. You're right. He is up there with the fan favorites. And that's why the fact that this team has looked the exact same at some times to what we saw last year is frustrating because it's not, we're not guaranteed another run like that. That was as improbable of a run as you will see in the NCAA tournament. You want a guy like this to go out with a storybook ending. He has done his part. I mean, yesterday alone, if if, if you didn't think he was doing his part before yesterday, then, yeah, I, I mean, yesterday should seal it for you. Because not all, I mean, he was, he was, for the majority of the day, he was the best player on the floor. There, there, and the, the times where he wasn't the best player on the floor was because he was on the bench because he was in foul trouble. So, I, I mean, this this was as dominant a performance. I mean, he had 16 rebounds in this game. I mean, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, just going off of it, and I'll look up the game log here in just a second to make sure that I'm right. I am almost certain that is the second highest total that he has had in a game this year. Only James Madison, he had more. And this was a dude that was on one leg. This is, I mean. There's not much more that you need to say about him. He will definitely go down as one of the best big men in Carolina history. And I think, look, if if this team can start to turn into what we believe they could be in the preseason, this dude still has a legitimate chance to finish the season as the national player of the year. Yeah, and I mean, I think right now he definitely should be you know, probably the forerunner or the front runner to be the ACC player of the year. And you look around the country at guys like Oscar Sheblay at uh, Kentucky, you got Zach Eady at Purdue, and then Drew Timmy at Gonzaga. He's still as good as any big man that there is in in, in, in college basketball. And, you know, it's it's really just been remarkable because I don't think he's been healthy at one point this season. Let's talk about the starting lineup that Huber Davis rolled out yesterday because it was a different one. It was one that included Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Leaky Black, Puff Johnson, and Armando Baycott. He moved Trimble to the bench. You mentioned Trimble just played 11 minutes, didn't score any points. So Puff Johnson making his his first-ever start at Carolina, and he rewarded Huber Davis with 12 points six rebounds um, in 26 minutes. And, you know, last week or two weeks ago, we said that the the three-guard lineup with Love, Davis, and then Trimble with Leaky Black and Armando Baycott was Carolina's best five. I think we got to rethink that. Um, I, I think I think maybe the best five was the best five we saw yesterday. First off, because... The, the most important thing is that Puff Johnson starting doesn't limit you defensively. It actually puts more length and size on the court, which means you can still switch virtually everything one through five, which was the biggest beneficiary of that three guard lineup. It also, you know, put more shooting on the floor. He, he made two, three pointers out of six. So he's got the confidence to shoot it. 
and he's got the ability to make it. And he, you know, does all the little things like dives on the floor for loose balls, grabs rebounds, defends, you know, all, all the little hustle plays that, that Carolina needs from him to do. And, and I, I think I, I was really, I was really impressed with this starting five yesterday because his offensive output allowed you to overcome a three of 14 shooting from Caleb Love, who just continues to struggle on on that end of the floor. It took some pressure, I think, off of R.J. Davis, who scored 12 points but was did it on four of seven shooting. Didn't have to shoot the ball a whole lot to still get, you know, into double figures. And so um, it'll be interesting to see what Hubert Davis does on Tuesday night against Boston College. If Pete Nance is ready to go, it does he does he go back with Pete Nance as a starter? But if not, you know, I think this would be the starting five that, you know, I think he would roll out with. And like I said, in my opinion, I think he is the best the that that is the best starting five that Hubert Davis has to offer this team this season. Well, and look, we we thought at one time in the offseason that that was probably going to be the starting lineup that they were going to have to roll with. And I think for the most part, we we felt relatively comfortable with that. You know, at the time when they were pursuing Pete Nance, you saw the the statistics, the numbers that he had put up at Northwestern, and you thought, okay, this is a guy that can definitely help us. Um, I just, I, I yeah, I, I would agree with you at this point. My thing is with this, I think that it, it, it can depend on matchups too. This is what is so so great about what we've seen over these last two weeks or so from this Carolina team. And as you've mentioned, the you know the discover the discovery of that depth really has come because you had no choice. But you're seeing all sorts of different lineups that Carolina is putting on the floor, and you're seeing some that work really really well. You're seeing some that you know not to go back to. But I think this lineup that you saw start yesterday and the lineup that we saw start the last game are ones that I think you you feel confident that you can use and and start games with if you need to. It's all based on matchups. If a team is going to go that small, then okay, we'll we'll throw that three-guard lineup out there. And if we need, you know, if if you're struggling, well, then we can bring Puff Johnson in off the bench. But if there's a team that you think you match up better with when you put that bigger lineup out there, well, you can go to that as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they use that moving forward. But I agree because I think, you know, Seth Trimble can do some things with the basketball in terms of, you know, moving the ball driving the lane, but I still think there are some freshman moments from him. And and I think over these last couple of games, we've seen it. The game has been really fast for him at times, and he's made a couple of mistakes. That's fine. Look, it's we've seen this for years with Tar Heel point guards. This is nothing different. It takes time for people in this system, no matter which coach it is, it seems now, that – for, for them to settle in and learn the nuances at the college level. I think that Puff Johnson is starting to show, and, and I think he's still working through some things in terms of 
his shooting from the outside. I, I don't know if it's consistent enough just yet. But you're starting to see it come to him a little bit. You're starting to see that shooting touch come to him. Now, I'm not going as far as to say he looked yesterday, he looked like his brother, as Corey Alexander wanted to tell us, because Corey Alexander is the master of hyperbole. But I think you, you saw that he, he's starting to get to, to be able to give you more on the offensive end. And that's something we've seen over the last couple of games. But you're right. What he does defensively, what he does on the glass, I I, I mean, you're not going to see a dude that plays harder on the team than, than him. I mean, him and R.J. Davis, are pro- along with Armando, are really right there. I mean, those are dudes you never have to question their effort. So I think he deserves the opportunity to start. And I think, you know, for the time being, unless you feel like there is just a matchup that, you know, it really favors that three guard lineup. Just, you know, see Notre Dame. I, I think you, you're probably going to roll with the lineup that they started with yesterday. But I even liked it at, at one point, Carolina had probably one of the biggest lineups I think I've ever seen Carolina use when they had Armando. Jalen Washington and Puck Johnson all on the floor at the exact same time. I mean, I, I think, and, and to me, that that was an interesting look. Carolina, I thought, did some decent things even on the offensive end during that time. So I think there's so much creativity that Hubert Davis is going to be able to have moving forward. And one of the other things that you got to credit him for with the rotation is going to Dontrez Styles. Look, No offense to the kid at this point. He's a part of the roster. I don't want to see Justin McCoy again unless it it is in pursuit of biscuits. I I don't – there is nothing that he is bringing to this team right now. He was – I mean, he he was about as bad as it got the other night in the loss to Virginia. He's just not going to be able to do anything for you. So, I think – Unless Dontrez Styles is really just doing something in practice that is hindering you from from being able to play him, I, I think you've got to use him moving forward, at least over Justin McCoy. But I think just in general, considering what we saw from him in this game. Yeah, I mean, th- there's no denying this when it comes to Justin McCoy. Um, Justin McCoy is not an ACC caliber player. Um, and I think he has proven that his time at Virginia when he was with that program and then transferring into Carolina, he just, he he doesn't really have a whole lot to offer outside of the fact that he's a pretty good defensive player. And that's, that's about it. Which is, Um, which is fine. Like we've seen these types of players, like for example, look at Andrew Playtech. He is thriving at Siena and I think we're all happy for him. I'd love to see Justin McCoy go somewhere else. But for me right now, nothing personal against him. I just, I don't think this team can afford to play him in a big role moving forward. If you need somebody to step up, it has to be Dontrez Styles. Yeah. And I I just think yesterday he, he reminded what he has to offer. And look, he was, he played nine minutes. He was he scored three points and grabbed a rebound and committed a turnover. 
The rebound, though, I mean, he literally outjumped everybody on the floor and went up and, and, and got the rebound. And it's just, it's his body. It's his frame. He he looks, he looks like an NBA player on the court. He, he's got the build and he can do so many different things for this team. And I just sent out a tweet that said, look, it's, you know, it's almost like Hubert Davis or, or it's, it's almost like Dontre Styles should see the floor more. And it got a lot of it got a lot of positive interaction because I think we've all been wondering why isn't he playing? There hasn't really been any answer because every time he goes on he he plays, it's like he does something right. He he does he, he makes the right play, um and, and 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 you know does something to help this team in a positive manner. You know I think we thought entering the year he was going to just pick up where he left off as one of the few guys that Huber Davis could go to off the bench, and for some reason that hasn't happened. But it, I think um, you know he's starting to maybe earn back into good graces. And then for Demarco Dunn, I mean, what's that? What what's that going to do for his confidence? I think is going to be, you know, we're not going to be able to to really put a number on because he saw the ball go in the hoop from the perimeter which he, he's a really good three-point shooter. He showed a willingness to rebound, which is something that our care the guards have done very good under Hubert Davis. He he was such a menace defensively. Um, and I think that leads us to really the final point. Carolina won the game, and they won the game the way that they did because at about the under eight-minute part of the first half, they just, they just took the game over on that end of the court. I mean, they held Louisville under 40% shooting from the field and one of 14 from three. And, you know, look, did they have a hard time keeping L. Ellis out of the lane at times? Sure they did. L. Ellis is a really good basketball player on a really bad basketball team. But I thought they were just overwhelming on that, on the defensive end of the court. And I haven't seen a Carolina team hold a power five team to one of 14 from three, maybe in my lifetime. And we knew that for Louisville to have a chance to pull the upset, they were going to have to hit some outside shots. We knew this was a team that, you know, if you put pressure on the ball, they're going to fold. Carolina did that, and they forced 14 turnovers and scored 23 points off of them. And so I was really impressed with that defensive effort because that's the first time I feel like they've been a pretty good defensive team at home. It, it really carried on the road, I thought, for the first time. Like, the other night at Virginia, those numbers were where they were because Virginia is not a good offensive team, and there were so few possessions that those those numbers kind of get, you know, skewed one way or the other. You know, this was a team that at Virginia Tech, at, at Indiana, just had nothing on that end of the court. At Pittsburgh in the second half, had nothing on the defensive end of the court. I thought yesterday they were overwhelming. They, and, and it really just bogged down a Louisville team, and that's why you saw Louisville continue to struggle as they they fell to two and sixteen on the season overall, and zero and seven uh, in 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 the ACC. Yeah, I thought they made really good adjustments to what Louisville was doing early in the game because I thought they made it real real easy on L. Ellis just to get right to the land. Really, everybody. Um, and, and, I mean, look, they still had moments in that second half. That is the biggest thing for this defense right now, is you have to be able to take away the lane. You, you cannot make it as easy as they have at times 
to score in the paint. I mean, look, Louisville had 59 points in this game and 39, 38 of them, excuse me, came in the paint. So, I, I mean, that's the thing. If you can find a way to just take away that lane, to stop the ball more consistently, and I get you're not going to be able to do it all the time, especially with some of these guards that you're playing in the ACC. I mean, right, if, if you can take away the lane, you are going to have a lot of success in this conference because there are a lot of teams right now in the ACC that are not good offensive teams. And I'm talking about some of the best teams in this conference, including your, your biggest rival. So that's got to be the focus for Carolina is can you just find a way to take a, to take away the lane? Because, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. They did a really good job of, you know, taking away the three-point line in this game. But I think part of that is that Louisville is is a, a bad shooting team. I mean, again, this is a team that every single statistical category that you could think of, they ranked outside of the top 300, which is just insane. But I thought, you know, there, there was a lot of credit due to some, you know, the guys that I thought that that checked into the game off the bench, I thought were much better defensively um, than some of the guys that we saw early in the game. Um, I, I think, you know, the biggest thing is, is you got you've got to find a way to get Leaky Black, I think, back in a rhythm as well. Um, it's not that he's been bad. But he definitely hasn't been leaky, the, the leaky that we've come to know that can shut down just about anybody. Um, there's been times where guys have just been able to blow by him and, and get straight to the basket. So if you can do that, if you can get leaky playing the way that, um, you know, he, he we, we've become accustomed and, and he did, you know, down the stretch of last season and you can get, you know, find a way to prevent teams from getting to the lane so easily and either finishing or getting to the free throw line. I think that there is no doubt that this Carolina team has the horses defensively to be, be able to, to make another run. And, and I think you're starting to see some signs of that. I think it just needs to be more consistent. Yeah, and I think that's the best thing about a win like yesterday, as dominant as it was. And this game was, I think, for all intents and purposes, it was over at halftime. Huber Davis was going to be able to look at the film, and there's still so much room for improvement, so much room for growth. And it's very rare that you have the type of game that you had yesterday where, you know, you were demanding a double-digit win. I just wanted a win because they, they hadn't won on the road yet in this conference or all season long. And and road wins in this conference aren't easy to come by. Um, but they, they they were able to get a dominant win, and they still left a lot out there to, to you know, to, to be desired and, and to, to be improved upon um, because this team still has a lot of growth and potential as I, I think they, they, they try to start rounding into an ACC contender and back into a team that will be mentioned as, as a threat to win the national championship. But with that, guys, it is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Before we let you go, we do want to encourage you guys to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where um, you can go back and check out a, a, a full recap of the game um, as, as I broke down the game a little bit more in depth. Um, and I'll be getting you ready later or early in this upcoming week as Carolina is back in action on Tuesday with the game against Boston College. 
Uh, Anthony's keeping you up to date on everything coming out of of the Keenan of of of, of, of the of, of Tar Heel football as they're now in off season mode. But Mac Brown made a staff change or a, a change to his staff last week. Who knows? There may be more on the horizon as news trickles out out of the Keenan Center. Well, Anthony will have you covered. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Uh, we're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast. We will pop up where we encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the podcast throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. We want to thank you guys for listening. We want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.